0: Father God, again, we just thank you for the privilege of coming together as brothers and sisters in Christ to fellowship with one another, encourage one another, Uh, Lord, just to, to build each other up for the week ahead. We seek to sing praises to you, to worship you, to connect with you at a heart level, and to hear your word as well, Lord, so that we can be transformed from the inside out by Jesus Christ. And God, we just ask that you would be with us this morning. Help us to sense your presence with us. And um, just to learn something new about ourselves and about you this morning. So we walk out of this place more like Christ than we came in. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been for, what, at least two weeks talking about prayer without actually talking about prayer. And this morning we're going to actually talk about prayer by talking about prayer. It's pretty exciting. Um, I've pointed out that very often we go to prayer just to bring our list of things that we want or things that we, th- we think we need, but more often than not, it's things that we want. Uh, we want our lives to go well. We want to be comfortable. Just, those are the kind of things that we tend to pray about. And for myself, God convicted me at one point that I realized I was just bringing kind of my laundry list of, of desires to him and not really connecting to him on a heart level. Um, and so all of what I've been talking about is kind of the process that God brought me through to help me deepen my own prayer life. And hopefully it'll it'll deepen yours as well. When we first started, we looked all the way back at creation uh, and how God created the world. He created the garden to be a tabernacle where man could be with him and he could be with his creation. And how that uh, relationship, that closeness, that presence was broken by their sin. And I always like to highlight that it was their sin, yes, but if you were there, you would have done the same thing. So we break that relationship that we have with God and we step away from the presence of God by doing that. And it's a broken relationship. But God, uh, in his mercy, created ways for himself to remain with his people. right? So we talked about the tabernacle, or kind of a temporary tent-like church that they would carry with them and set up. And that tabernacle reminded them of God's presence with them. But within that tabernacle, there was also that veil that kept them from coming into God's actual presence. So they knew God was with them, but there was still a a distance there. There was still a separation. That tabernacle uh, became a permanent fixture in the temple. We know that Jesus came, right, at Christmas time. We always talk about Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so all through Scripture, there's this idea of God desiring to be present with us. And then last week, we started to look at what does it look like to come into God's presence? And we bumped into the holiness of God. We, we talked about those angels who were just hovering over him saying, Kadosh, 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 holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. We talked about the whole earth is filled with his kavod or his glory, the weight of who he is, his splendor. And how when we come before God in that way, we realize how very unholy we are, how far short we fall from what God would expect of us. And we can go through our daily lives very often and kind of forget that because we become acclimated. We, we don't even recognize sometimes our sinfulness, our selfishness, our pride, all those things. Even when we're living our best, we're still kind of self-absorbed. But when we come before God in those moments, we realize how terrible we are. <laughs> and we're we're just struck by how amazingly holy he is. We talked about that Hebrew word, yalach. It was fun to say because it's got the thing going on, which means go, and how God gives us purpose. He gives us a ministry when we come before him. And so this morning, what I want to do is kind of take all of that, take all of what we've looked at, all of what we've considered, and as we apply it to prayer, I want to just take all of that idea of God's presence and everything and put handles on it so that we can carry it out with us. Um, One of the things I want to look at this morning is the Lord's Prayer, which is probably very familiar to you. Um, we were we were joking before the service. Amber was asking what version of Psalm 23 we were used to because she wasn't sure. And, and I said the Lord's Prayer is kind of the same way. You know, a lot of times in a, a public event they might say the Lord's Prayer or if you've been to an AA meeting or Celebrate Recovery or something, you recite the Lord's Prayer. And at the end it says, forgive us our debts or trespasses. And so you get to that point and you're like, and forgive us our... And you wait to see what everybody else is saying. And then there's a there's a last part that Frank includes. Because he's always outside the box. (laughs) But we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer this morning um, and just see some of the things that we've been looking at in the past few weeks. We'll see it in the Lord's Prayer and hopefully uh, be able to deepen our prayer life through that. Why don't we say the Lord's Prayer together? I'll give you a heads up. We are saying debts, not trespasses. Um, It's on the screen. I think it's in your notes as well. Let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I was waiting to see if Frank was going to keep going. (laughs) We often pray the Lord's Prayer, right? It's probably familiar to most of us. My experience with it, and and I won't impart this on you, but it often feels very robotic. Sometimes it's kind of awkward because people, you know, you're you're off pace of someone else and you're hearing the echo chamber and things like that. Uh, You get to that debts or trespasses thing and you're not sure which one you're supposed to say. But at the same time, when you pray that prayer with others, it can also inspire a sense of unity, a sense of oneness. So as you're saying it, you recognize that you're praying with those other people and it's kind of a special moment in that respect. The Lord's Prayer is uh, one of the moments when the disciples actually ask Jesus to teach them something. So they said, Lord, teach us to pray the way John taught his disciples. And so Jesus offers the Lord's Prayer uh, as a guide. right? And, and sometimes I've crossed paths with some people who think that is the prayer. right? And I don't think Jesus intended that's the only prayer that we pray. It was just kind of a guide for his disciples on how we pray. And... Um, I know that there have been many pastors who have taken the Lord's Prayer and dissected it and tried to kind of make a formula out of it. So when we go to God in prayer, we might follow that formula. Uh, I found one that said, uh, We address, worship, acknowledge, ask, confess, request. Right? And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not bashing that. But I want to point out that that is a guide that Jesus gave us. It's a example. It's not the example. It's not the only way we should pray. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, there's this beautiful story of, of Hannah praying so passionately. She was so desperate for a child. She was praying so passionately that the priest saw her and thought she was drunk and came out and actually kind of yelled at her a little bit. If you think about praying that passionately that you look drunk, most likely in your mind you're not going, address, worship, acknowledge. Okay, now I shall ask. Right? It's not that rigid. She was spilling her heart out to the Lord. And so, again, there's no one set way to pray. There's just kind of guidelines for, for things that we can do a ways that we can approach it. And so as I approached the Lord's Prayer uh, originally, again, this is, this is a, a sermon that I've preached in the past, but it's still very meaningful to me. When I went to the Lord's Prayer, I was looking for the formula, if I'm being honest. You know, and I, I didn't expect my formula to be the same as ones I've heard in the past, but I was looking for uh, you know, transitioning to a how-to in prayer. And I was looking for that formula, and what I ended up finding was the things that I had been talking about, the presence of God, right? that idea of yalech go, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. So there's three ideas, uh, again, trying to put handles to it. They're in your notes if you want to take notes along. Um, I know a guy that uh, used to get the sermon notes, and he would sit down before the service, and he'd fill it out and then check his answers on the way through the sermon. So you do what you want with that. The three things that we want to acknowledge today is that prayer is presence, prayer is participation, and prayer is provision. So those are three things that we can look for as we're praying. Presence, participation, and provision. And as we look through it, we're going to see that those things are found in the Lord's Prayer, but they're also the things that we've been talking about for a couple of weeks. So when I kept saying we're talking about prayer without talking about prayer— All of that kind of builds to what we're going to look at today. Um, This is not the guide for prayer. Again, this is not a formula you go home and follow. It's not even really a formula for how to pray, so much as just an attitude that we can take as we go before the Lord. So how do you align your heart with what God is doing? And we're going to look at that today. The first uh, point, prayer is presence. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus starts off by saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He's praying to God, right? He's speaking to his Father. So he's acknowledging that he is in God's presence. And I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I'm going to. This is what we've been looking at, Isaiah 6, right? Isaiah comes into the presence of God, and he falls flat on his face as he realizes how holy God is and how unholy he is. And in desperation, he cries out, Because he recognizes his sin. And in that moment, God cleanses him. We talked about the fear of the Israelites uh, when they heard the Lord speaking to Moses. right On the mountain, there was thunder and lightning and clouds and earthquakes and everything else. And we had that one funny verse, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. And it still makes me laugh because Moses says, don't be afraid. He only did that so you'd be afraid. Well, which one is it? And again, I think the answer is both. God is scary because he's holy and we're not. But God is also a God of compassion and mercy and love. And so that same scary God doesn't want us to be afraid of him. We talked about the Old Testament sacrificial system uh, and how that was a shadow of what actually exists in heaven. So in the Old Testament, we had the high priest could come before the Lord just that one day, one time a year, having gone through all kinds of cleansing processes for his own sin, for his family's sin, for the sins of the people. And then he would go before the Lord. But it was a special moment. And then we looked at Jesus, who himself being perfect, in other words, he didn't have to do those sacrifices for his own sin because he was sinless. So he, in his perfection, entered the actual Holy of Holies that exists in heaven, not the model that we had on earth. He went into the actual Holy of Holies and offered a better sacrifice, it says in Hebrews, which was his own blood on behalf of his people. In Hebrews 4, we read this, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That last verse, let us with confidence draw near the throne of grace, is signifying that with the tearing of the veil, the way to God has been opened by Jesus. And so we come before a holy God, and we are fully aware of our unholiness, and yet we have that confidence because of what Jesus did, we can come with before the Lord. Ooh. Prayer, again, just if you reflect on your own heart, your own attitude as you go before God in prayer very often, uh, good vibes is a thing you hear a lot lately. Somebody's going through a trial of some kind and and people say, sending good vibes. What does that mean? Even just saying praying for you very often means very little. And if we're honest, how often do we say we're going to pray for you and, and we don't? We fall short in that. Oftentimes it feels like we're just rubbing the biblical rabbit split, right? Wishing them, hey, good luck with that. Rather than bringing that before the Lord. So first, we want to acknowledge that prayer begins with the understanding that we are privileged through the blood of Christ to come before our three times holy God. Because of the blood of Christ, we can come into God's very presence. And remember the angels, Kadosh, 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 Yahweh t'sava Eretz Melo Kavod, the whole earth is full of his glory. And in Hebrews it says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. So as we consider what it means to pray and how to do it, the first thing is prayer is presence. Prayer is coming into the very presence of God. And we need to take a minute and let that really sink in. So again, that's not... That's not step one in your guide. That's just your heart attitude. When you go to pray, just take a minute and and sit quietly and recognize you are coming in the very presence of a holy God. The next point, prayer is participation. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus continues on, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now we talked about Isaiah. Isaiah came before God and fell flat on his face and he was cleansed. Right? And then God said, who shall I send? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. And God responds with that phlegmy Hebrew, Yalech, go. We benefit greatly. Remember this, we said, we benefit greatly from our salvation. But the kavod, or glory, is God's. God doesn't give us salvation so we can look good, so we can give ourselves a pat on the back. So that people look at us and say, wow, he must be saved. The the glory of that goes to God. We didn't save ourselves. We didn't earn our salvation. We didn't do anything exciting other than submit ourselves to God. And so he gets the glory. We benefit from our salvation, but he wants us to go. He saves us for his purpose. He saves us for his mission, to carry out his plan and so when we receive that salvation, we benefit greatly and we're blessed in so many ways. And yet it's not for us to say, "Woohoo, we're going to heaven. It's so God can say, all right, you're in. Here's what I have for you. And that's not a burden. I used to kind of think that was a burden. Like, who's this God dude think he is? That, yeah, you saved me, but then you're just going to put me to work. It's not a burden. It's a blessing. God has chosen You. God has gifted you. He's given you unique gifts for his purpose. He has called you. There are some maybe here, again, I don't know you all that well, there's some maybe watching online uh, who don't consider yourself a believer and you don't follow Christ and maybe as you hear me say that, you're thinking to yourself, God called me? And my answer is yes. Yes wholeheartedly I say to you, if you're asking yourself that question, the answer is yes. But you are not hearing me by accident. You're not hearing the words by accident. You're not having that thought by accident. God is reaching out to you and saying, I have called you for a purpose. So if you've ever had that thought in your mind, there's got to be more to life than this, the answer is yes, there is. There is. God created you for something more. And he's just waiting for you to step into that something. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this, not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So again, God God calls us out. For good works. He has something for us, prepared for us. And so, for my part, I'm standing before you because God told me to go and to tell you that you have a job, that you have a mission, that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for you, to free you from your sins, so that you can have forgiveness, you can have that confidence to come before God. But more than that, He saved you because you have a purpose for your life. When we come into God's presence, we are asked to participate in the unveiling of his kingdom. We don't just come into his presence. We don't just enjoy his presence. Once we come into his presence, he calls us to participate in what he's doing here on earth. A few quick passages from the Old Testament that that point this out. Genesis 12 when God calls Abraham. He says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go, and that's the Hebrew word, Yalech. Every time I say go, think to yourselves, Yalech. Yalech. Go from your country and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God, Abram came into God's presence. God gave him that purpose. Go, do this. And in the process of that, Abraham was blessed richly. In Exodus chapter three with Moses, God says, go, go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me. And then he calls them out of slavery. Jeremiah one, this one's specifically for for the kids and teens, which would be my boys. Boys, (laughs) Jeremiah one says, do not say I am only a youth for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. Yelech. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. God uses people of all different ages to do his work. In Luke 10, verse 3, we move away from the Hebrew, but the Greek idea is the same. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. And then the Great Commission in Matthew 28, Jesus says, go. And so again, participation, go. Therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so in that last part, we have the presence. Right? We have the, the participation. Go and carry out my will, and I will be with you. You'll be with me in the presence The Lord's Prayer, he says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the kingdom is referring to the reign of God or the realm of God. Uh, I believe we talked about how there's an already and not yet dynamic to the kingdom. So there's already the kingdom of God on earth. We can experience the kingdom of God. We can see it already, and yet it's not yet in its fullness. The kingdom of God is not as it will be, but it has begun. When Jesus began to preach, he said, the kingdom of God is near. That was the gospel that he began to spread. When we participate in what God is doing, when we come into his presence, when we are called to participate, when we're called to action to fulfill our purpose, We are aligning our prayers with his mission. We're not coming before him with what we think we need and want. We're coming before him, first and foremost, in his presence. And we are being called to his mission, to his purpose. God, we want to see people to see you. We want people to experience you the way we have experienced you. Prayer is participation, and when we're called to that, when we, a church of a handful of people, are called to bring the kingdom of God to a city like like Wilkesbury where there's 40,000 people and it's overwhelming. Right? I, I was talking to some people yesterday, saying if we had one percent, if we could reach one percent of the population here, it'd be 400 people, which is exciting. It's great. It's also very intimidating. Is it not? This building's not that big. We're going to have some issues to wrinkle out. Iron out, I guess. But God is calling us to reach this city. The purpose of this church is to expand the kingdom of God in this city. The people, you know, when we walked around, we walked about three blocks yesterday picking up garbage. I'm sore. Is anyone else sore? Mike, are you sore? I am not sore. If I drop anything today, it's stay in there. (laughs) (laughs) But just in those three blocks... How many houses did we walk past with people that need to know Jesus? That's why we're here. But when we're faced with that, when we're faced with such a massive job, an overwhelming job, questions start to arise. Well, how are we going to do that? How are we going to meet these people's needs? How are we, this small church, where are we going to put everybody? What's that going to look like? The third P, as we, as we consider prayer, is prayer is provision. If we start with what we want or we think we need, we've missed the opportunity to come before God. We've missed the opportunity to hear from Him. This is your purpose. This is your calling. This is your goal. We start with the things that we need. And I think what we end up doing, especially for the context of a church, is, well, we want to accomplish this, right? We have something in our minds. We want to reach these people. And it's this. And so we're asking for these things. When we come before the presence of an eternal God who's without beginning and end, and he gives us a job, and he says, no, you do the city, then we come to him with the questions. "Well, How are we going to do that? We don't have enough money to do that. We don't have enough time to do that. We don't have enough people to do that. The building's too small. But what happens is we've reversed our prayer life. We're not coming to him with the things that we want. We're coming before him. We're hearing what he wants, and then we're following up with the questions. Well, how can we do that? Prayer is provision. I have no idea where I am in my notes right now. See, I get all fired up. Isaiah comes before God. Kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. Yahweh tzava Eretz Melo Kavod. We come before that eternal God, that holy God, whose weight, whose glory fills the earth. And Isaiah responds by saying, Here am I, send me. So our prayer as a church, I hope, is, God, can we join you in what you're doing? Right? We all know, I hope, that God wants every last person in this city to know Jesus Christ. Can we join you in what you're doing? As an act of worship and obedience to you, our great king, can we participate in expanding your kingdom? Can we participate in filling this city with your glory? Making this city on earth as it is in heaven. And then when we get to that point, then we start to pray, please provide for us all that we need to fulfill that mission. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. It's an allusion back to the Exodus when they were wandering through the desert. They didn't have the food, and God provided manna for them. But he didn't give them surplus. He gave them just enough for the day. They would wake up, and they would have just enough for the day. And it forced them to trust the Lord. It forced them to see God is guiding us step by step by step. And each step, he is providing what we need at that moment. Proverbs 30, verse 8 says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. God, we have come into your presence. You have called us to participate in what you're doing And the third step is that we are trusting you to give us enough. We are called to reach 40,000 people in this area, and we have everything we need right now to do it. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into, into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Again, it's that reliance on God the provision. God, maintain us. Forgive us. We acknowledge that yesterday we fell short and we're going to try again today. Empower us to demonstrate your kingdom here on earth for your glory. Not so that we get recognition as City Light Church. Not so that the pastor can drive a Mercedes, although I'm willing, just saying. I I don't actually like Mercedes We don't want to glorify ourselves, right? We don't want to succeed for ourselves. We don't want to be part of a successful church. We want to be part of a church that glorifies God. We want to be part of a church that plays some role in the light of Christ spreading in this area. Help us to do that, God. So those three things, prayer is presence, prayer is participation, prayer is provision. Again, it's not a step-by-step guide to pray to God. It's a heart attitude. It's acknowledging first and foremost that we don't just come to God and start spewing what we need. I, I was fascinated when I was taking seminary classes at the ancient religions of different cultures and things, and, and they're still alive today and, and all over the place, really. South America and all these places, Asia, they have idols that they go to, right? These gods and goddesses. And if they need something, they have to try to guess what that god or goddess might need or want, and they'll leave that, that sacrifice before the, the idol in hopes that they can appease that god or goddess enough to get what they think they need. And what's amazing, what, what struck me as I studied those cultures, is that in America, in our churches, in this church, in my life, I have done the same thing to God. And I would hear missionaries talk about the idolatry that happens in these other countries, and i think, oh, those poor souls, they're so misguided. God, can I please have this? Can I please have this? Can I please have this? And I'll try to do my best to, to live a good life. It's the same thing. And so what I'm calling us to is reversing that process. For us to be blessed to come before God, to come into his presence, to hear his voice tell us, This is your purpose. This is how I've gifted you. These are the people that I've put in your life for today. Go do that. And then we, when we have our questions, then we think, well, well, can I have this to do that? Can I have this to accomplish that? James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I was... Kicking myself yesterday, we're going to have another moment of confessions with Pastor Scott. We were walking around picking up garbage, and and my brain was on pick-up-garbage mode. And we went down one street, and this police officer walks up out of nowhere and thanks us for what we're doing. We had a little conversation, and he went on his way, and I saw him talking to some other neighbors. And like 10 minutes later, I'm like, why didn't I just offer to pray with him? Why didn't I do that? Here I am preaching to you to go and pray for people and do things. And and it just didn't even cross my mind. We can't come here and listen to, hopefully, a decent sermon on prayer and walk out those doors and just live our lives the way we've been. I hope that we don't hear those three things, prayer's presence, prayer's participation, prayer's provision, and go home and say, God, thank you for that church service. Can Can I please have this? Can I please have this? Can I please have this? I hope that we can reverse that process to come before God first to be still before God. Your homework a few weeks ago was to find 15 minutes to sit quietly before God. That is brutal to do sometimes. Because in our culture, especially we we fill that space so fast with music or TV or something, our phones. As a church, can we commit ourselves to do that? To be still before God, to come into His presence, to be called to participate in what He's doing in this city, and then ask the questions. There's a few things I'm going I'm to do right now. First, uh, again, there may be people who are listening to this that have never prayed before. You, you're not a believer. You've never acknowledged God or anything like that. And maybe... Today will be the first day that you pray a prayer. So I'm going to lead you through a prayer. There's a website I want to point us to as a church. Uh, it's called blesseveryhome.com. And I'll, I'll put this on the Facebook page somewhere or send an email out or something. blesseveryhome.com uh, is something that I signed up for You know, in our last location. Uh, you put your name and address in. It's a free situation, so you put your name and address in. And it pulls up a map, kind of kind of a Google Maps type of map, and it puts a pin where you are, and then it'll highlight the neighbors in your immediate area. And if you, you can set it up different ways, but what I had was an email would come to me Monday through Friday with five names of neighbors, and just a little quick two, three-sentence prayer to say for them. And it's a way to keep it fresh on my mind to pray for my neighbors on a daily basis. So... I would encourage you to do that. Blesseveryhome.com. Sign up for it and begin to pray for your immediate neighbors. Pray that that God would reveal Himself to them. Pray that you would have uh, opportunity to just get to know them. Right? We're new to our area, but I I don't I don't think I've been I've seen our next door neighbor once. I think that was it. <laughs> We've only met one person, at least that that I know. So I have a lot of work to do ahead of me, but it, it's just a quick, easy way for God, to keep on your mind your neighbors, to be praying for them, praying for what's going on. Pray for our church. Again, come before God, receive our marching orders, but be in prayer for our church. Be in prayer that God would send the leadership here a vision for what he would have us as a church to do in this city. And then pray that God would align us with that vision, that we would have the courage to go where he sends us, and that we would ask questions later. And Wednesday night, uh, Frank just announced every Wednesday night there's a prayer meeting. It's it's on Zoom right now. It's super convenient. Uh, Frank was in his jammies last week. You don't mind me saying that, do you? <laughs> Show up in your pajamas. But it's, you know, what is it, like an hour-ish we're usually on, maybe, give or take? Uh, it's just a time for us to gather together as the body of Christ, to share our hearts and to come before God in prayer, to lift one another up. Um, I would encourage you to do that. Just join us on a, on a Wednesday night. Frank shoots out an email to remind you, usually. Uh, if he doesn't have your email, just give him your email. He'll make sure you're on the list. But just be in prayer. Let's be a church that, as we look forward, right, with, with your new pastor, I know there's a sense of anticipation and eagerness for doing ministry here. Let's just, let's just take a deep breath. And as a church, come before God be amazed at his holiness, and then receive our marching orders from him. Let's be a praying church that recognizes the giant before us and just asks God to provide for us. Christmas time, the Christmas story, I'm always struck by when the Holy Spirit reveals to Mary that she's going to carry the Messiah, right? No pressure. She just goes, oh, how's that going to work? With pure innocence. Is God calling us to reach 40,000 people? Oh, cool. How's that going to work? Let's be that church. Would you join me in prayer now? Uh, The first thing I'm going to do, again, is if you've never prayed before, if you want to make this your first prayer, I'm going to lead you in a prayer just to uh, receive God into your life, um, to align yourself with his family. Uh, And it's going to be a momentous thing. So, So if you pray this prayer for the first time today, let me know, let Frank know, let somebody in the church know. And then I'll, uh, I'll pray for all of us this morning to close. Let's pray. Father God, we just want to pause before you and to acknowledge how amazing it is that we can go through the veil into the Holy of Holies, into the very presence of God. that you have angels surrounding you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, crying out, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with your glory. God, thank you for the privilege of coming before you. If there are some who have never prayed before, I would just invite you to pray with me right now. Father God, I believe that you are calling me to be a part of your family. I know that my sin has kept me from you. Please forgive me for my sins. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me so that I can be forgiven and adopted into your family. Help me to turn from my sin and to live how you would want me to live. Send your Holy Spirit to me to help. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And God, we just want to ask that you would help us to be a church that prays on a regular basis. And God, would you deepen our prayer life so that we're not just trying to get what we can get out of you. But that we recognize and acknowledge how amazing it is to come into your very presence. And God, everyone who comes into your presence leaves changed. Would you cleanse us? And would you send us? We know, God, that you have a purpose for us, for each one of us, and a purpose for us as a church. God, would you speak to our hearts so that we can hear from you clearly, so that we can see the vision that you put before us of what could be because of City Light Church. And God, as overwhelming as that vision might be, would you help us to trust that you will provide for us each day enough, enough to get done the job that you put before us for that day. Help us to dream big dreams and to trust that our big God will provide. And may it be all to your glory. God, we look forward to the day that we can stand before you and sing the praises of all that you have done in our lives and in the lives of our neighbors and our friends. Bless us in this, God, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.